Austin, I'm actually this part. I'm I'm switching it up a bit for this episode. I'm putting this part oh. that they're hearing right now at the beginning of the show before the, oh. even the intro music. Uh, <gasps> it's the very beginning of the show. Oh my god! Uh, so, because I felt like I should get it right out of the way, I, I'm 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 gonna a- I need to ask you, Austin, are are you ready to are you ready to become a soldier against the deep state, Austin? Are you ready to pledge your commitment in the fight? against conspiracy and the deep state austin i've been waiting to have been asked that question for years now because once you yes once we start this journey today and through the rest of this month and you start learning the information i'm going to tell you uh there's a good possibility that you're going to be a wanted man you're going to have a target on your back you're going to be you're going to be uh you're going to be at risk but it's for, mean, good, it's for it a good. It's for a good cause. Nice to be wanted. Well, that's true, and it's for a good cause. Yeah, I'd course. say. So, so this goes out to all the listeners as well. Are Are you ready to to take the pledge? Are you ready to dive in and commit yourself as a soldier in our fight against the 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 uh, treachery of the deep state? If so, then let's go. Buckle up. Well, everyone. It's here. It's finally here. Oh, it's here. Welcome to September 2021, <laughs> a.k.a. Conspiracy Month. This is Conspiracy Month. That it is, Austin. Now, I thought I'd restate it. I'm, thank you. Now, some of you may be asking, some of the duller... Some of the more duller members of the listening audience. Maybe those of you who are akin to the village idiot. Those of you who hew closer to Austin than to I, uh, may be asking yourself, why have you chosen this seemingly random month, September twenty twenty one, as conspiracy month out of all the times when you could have chosen? Let me just say, ain't nothing random about it. No, sir, not at all. Very precise very uh specific choice just as we'll find uh the things that happen in our world with our government and with the news though they may seem at random sometimes trust me these they're all planned things things are happening specific times specific reasons as is this month being conspiracy I've said month there's no such thing as a coincidence that's true austin and you'll find that to be the case even more as we delve into this month and as the case we chose this month for our Conspiracy Month shows, as of course, some of you might realize, it is the 20th, on the 11th, it will be the 20th anniversary of, ni- of the 9-11 attacks. Now, mm. before... I've heard of them. Before you begin to send your uh, critical emails, your hate emails, before you try to alert the admin... Uh, let me just say, all right, uh, if you got an issue, uh, if you got an issue 
with us deeming this Conspiracy Month because it is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And, and if you have even an issue with, with the mere possibility of, of, of levity at all tied to the 9-11 attacks, let me ask you, are you aware that uh, over the last year and a half, uh, we've probably had the equivalent of like 100 9-11s with the amount of people that have died from COVID? And then from that, let me ask you, have you made any jokes or levity about the COVID-19 virus at all uh, over the, that course of time? You ever you ever make a joke while you were drinking a Corona beer and go, oh, I'm going to get the virus or something like that along those lines? If so, then hypocrite. If so, eat my ass. Uh, obviously. I'm asking nicely. It's not the focus of this episode, but obviously on the episodes in which we focus more heavily uh, for instance, next week, as it will be the closest episode to the date, on the 9-11 attacks, of course, you know, all respect to, to those who lost their lives in the attacks. But at the same time, uh, it's been 20 years, and there are reasons to talk about it. There are reasons to highlight some of the strange events tied to it, and also just in general using that as a springboard. Talking about some of the uh conspiracies and and mysteries of our government and our intelligence agencies and the in the national security uh community of this country and its control over the world uh as well as making jokes about those topics and and pointing out how absurd they are sometimes and so uh, we're going to be doing that and if you don't like it you can turn off the episode and go bye bye right now uh, okay. Say bye bye, bye bye. So yeah. that's how it's gonna be, and y- the door's right there if you want to leave. I've opened it for you. Thank you. Now, with that all out of the way, uh, we've got a great first episode here for you. Great topic we'll get into shortly. Um, but just before that, I did want to point out. Uh, if you, I-, I wanted to point out uh, that. Uh, if you aren't familiar with uh, the ins and outs of, of, of the treachery and the acts of the United States uh, and its various entities, CIA, FBI, etc., military at large, military-industrial complex, some of, uh, some of the stuff this month is going to sound a bit uh, too good to believe, hard to believe, a bit outlandish, but let me assure you, that is the point. That is... Conspiracy theories are, uh, they're they almost intentionally obfuscated in such a way because they don't want, uh, you know, they don't want critical analysis of them. Um, and of course, this show is mainly based off analyzing media. Um, and so, you know, this isn't going to be, uh, this isn't going to be an in-depth research, you know, book or report on things. But, you know, we will be and especially me telling Austin, highlighting some areas um, in which real events, real world things and conspiracies tie into the movies we talk about and stuff like that. Um, So certainly this might be a good jumping off point for you to then go and do some research of your own because certainly neither of us are necessarily experts in that field. But at the same time, uh, I, I feel like I do know at least some details in it, and they are interesting details. And of course, I always encourage everyone to go off and learn more about this kind of stuff because this ain't what you learned in your uh, your history class in high school, if you know what I mean. Oh, I made sure of that. Austin taught high school history, and he made sure. I taught everyone here high school history. Austin, uh, Austin's a staunch 
uh, anti-critical critical race theory believer. That's me. He goes to all the school board meetings and protests against I, it. I somehow find time to go to all of them. Right, right. And with that being said, uh, this month's episodes are going to be having a lot of information, both about movies that we're talking mm-hmm. about and about the real world events either inspired that it were uh inspired the movie or are based the movie is based off of so a lot of information so we're just going to cut right to the chase a lot of the times so we're going to have some 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 dense longer episodes this month and so without further ado let's talk about today's film topic to start off conspiracy month we're easing you in it's a fictional movie all the events in the movie are fictional though as we'll discuss they are they are very much inspired by real activity and the real operating procedure uh of the cia as well as events that then that took place uh but the movie we're talking about is 1970 was 75 yeah 75's three days of the condor Austin, mm-hmm. uh, what questions do you have for me about this movie, and do you know anything about it going into this? Well, so first off, you've answered two of my questions already, and that was, is it a documentary, slash what year did it come out? You've answered both of those. Very, very good. Correctly, yeah. might I say. Great. Glad to hear it. Um, so I do want to know, is it Condor like the bird? Condor like the bird, uh, but only in the sense that it is used as a code name. Mm. There is no bird in this movie. <gasps> is it, this is not a spy movie that features a talking bird, if that's what you're that's asking. disappointing, because that's my favorite genre. Spy movies that feature talking birds. This is not, um, a, this is not similar to the Cats and Dogs franchise, in which cats and dogs are spying against each other, except in this case with a bird. Uh, a condor, in fact. That is not this what this movie is, unfortunately. Okay, okay. Um, you said it was based on a true story or based on true how the CIA operates? It, was it based on a true story, too? No, it is not based on a true story. Uh, it is, though, I, I feel that it's very much... I, I think it's safe to say it's very much a grounded story, though. It's, okay. it, it is believable that something of this nature... Um, could have happened or has happened even if we don't know it uh it's very it's a it's a believable movie okay um who's in it good glad you asked uh of course so the 1970s were a wonderful time austin as we'll find with uh as 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 you may find if you delve into the conspiracy thriller genre it was a real prime time for the for that genre uh namely you know you were coming hot off of Kennedy assassination, uh, as well as his brother's assassination, MLK mm-hmm. assassination, of course the Vietnam War. Uh, it was kind of when the seal or the veil was broken of the Americans' innate trust of their government and their intelligence community. And so, in the seventies, you could have a big, major budget, you know, thriller, conspiracy thriller as a blockbuster, um, talking about how evil the CIA is. Um, and it can have two of the biggest movie stars of the time, which are, in fact, uh, in this film, uh, of course, in the starring role, we have the uh, legendary, of course, Robert Redford, uh, of course. known for such films, of course, as, uh, let's see, The Sting, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, 
what are some others? The Natural. I mean, you know, it's Robert Redford. You all know him. Uh, if not, you're at least familiar with him. Right, right. So Robert Redford, and then as his kind of female co-star, we have, of course, Faye Dunaway, who uh, most known for Bonnie and Clyde um, from around that time as well, and also uh, Network, uh, plenty of other things, both very big movie stars of their time. Okay, look at that. We love to see big names. Uh, and then in supporting roles... I wanted to write this down. Of course, we have the legendary uh, Max von Sydow. Of course, many know from his work with Ingmar Bergman in Sweden, but then, of course, in plenty of American films as well, like The Exorcist, um, died uh, just, I'm not sure, last year or maybe 2019, very recently. Um, so Max von Sydow, of course, uh, legendary. And then also in a supporting role in this film, uh, he, he had some, uh, success and he, he's definitely like a notable character actor for that seventies period, but I wanted to bring him up Cliff Robinson because Austin, you may know him as he played uncle Ben in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Oh, so, okay. 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 So those are our main actors. What, what would you like to know next, Austin? Um, up next... So, three days. Does the movie take place over the course of three days or something? You'd be correct. Mm. Uh, would you like to know the director? Robert Redford. No, but that's a good guess because, of course, Robert Redford himself was a director. Uh, he would go on to direct movies. Um, but this one is, in fact, directed by Sidney Pollack. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. I've, ne- I get, I've, I've only ever heard people pronounce it that way. I'm, I guess you could if you wanted to pronounce it Sidney Polak, but uh, let's not do him that injustice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Sidney Pollack, of course, um, some of his biggest winning, uh, Oscar-winning movies, uh, Out of Africa and Tootsie, as well as uh, many other classics. This was actually... I, I'm, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I want to say he did... This is one of his either like seven or ten of the movies he did with Robert Redford. So mm-hmm. frequent director of Robert Redford. Um, I love that. Also, like though... Tarantino and Samuel Jackson relationship. Yeah, they were very close. Also, of course, Sidney Pollack, uh, an actor in his own right, known for uh, supporting roles and stuff like Eyes Wide Shut and, of course, on the show Will and Grace. Um, okay. So, directed by Sidney Pollack, a, a very a, a fine and skilled director. Fine, Sidney Pollack, fine and skilled. Yep, that's their tagline. That's that's his tagline. Now, uh, yeah, me, oh boy, there you go. Thank you. That uh, for you. Thanks, I appreciate it. Now, do you have any other questions? Um, I don't think I have any more. All right. Questions. Yeah, no, that's it. That's all the questions I had. Very good. Uh, so I, I have just a couple fun facts here, and um, so I'll tell them. But I also have, uh, with this movie, I want to get through explaining to you what happens in it because then I have uh, connections to real-world events that I want to talk about after we talk about oh, the yes, plot please. of the movie. Um, so I'll save those for later. But uh, just off the bat here, this being a conspiracy thriller, I thought you – uh, the, uh, 
little superhero boy that you are would be interested in knowing that this film uh, is a direct and cited inspiration on the Russos for Captain America Winter Soldier, so much so that the plot is both very similar and, of course, they cast Robert Redford uh, in that movie. Oh my god. That's actually a very fun fact. Yes. Um, and also, I mean, the Russos are just like obviously huge enthusiasts for just about everything they do. Yeah, and I mean, so I'm not it surprised. It, it makes sense that they would be inspired by something like this. No, I mean, you know, given that it's Robert. No, I'm. I'm. It's very much, and of course, Robert Redford in general. You know, he was very, you know, n- not only in this, but you know, you've got all the President's Men from the '70s as well. He was very yeah. much uh, the conspiracy genre. He's very much a a um a familiar face for so i'm not surprised that God, that motherfucker is 85 years old and, and still going man i got he's got good genes because he does not he oh does not look like an 85 year old man oh definitely not he's he's got that he's got whatever that good uh elite elixir is that that that, that adrenochrome that uh blood of children or whatever you want to call it uh I mean, he was he played a, a very convincing piece of shit in that movie too. So. Yeah, which makes this which is fun because he kind of is on the opposite side of the spectrum in this oh, movie. Really? Where on that movie he's the he's the uh, the ghoul, the spook, the the you know <laughs> the spook CIA ghoul, and in this movie right. he's very much the 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 hunted man. So and then another fun fact, uh, as we'll get into in the plot, this movie features. Uh, events taking place in the World Trade Center, funnily enough. I uh, was not aware of that when I picked this out. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, that has its own, obviously, with uh, with us doing it this month and, and even with uh, some of the subject matter in a, in a future episode. Obviously, that's uh, a bit funny, the coincidence. But also, I wanted to know, and I found this on IMDb, but there was not a cited source, so I'm not sure how accurate this is. But uh, according to IMDb trivia, this is the only feature film that filmed inside the World Trade Center. The only feature film? According to IMDb. Now, I find that hard to believe, but also at the same time, I mean, I can... I guess I can sort of see the rationale. I guess because, like, you know, as with Limp Biscuit, we talked about previously, they filmed on top, and there are other films which filmed on top, but I'm, I can't at the moment anyway think of a film that uh, was inside the World Trade Center. Um, so there's a possibility this could be true. Huh. Any listeners, if you know if you know of a case of that not being true of another feature film, and I'm assuming this is excluding documentaries because I can name at least two documentaries that are filmed inside the World Trade Center, um, at least partially. Uh, so I'm assuming feature film, fictional, you know, feature film uh, narrative. So if anyone knows otherwise, shoot us, hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, please let me know. Um, but as far as I know, this is the case. So interesting. Yeah. So those are sort of just the some of the main facts about this film. Um, so any any further thoughts before we really crack into this baby? Um, I'm just excited to to hear about this film. Any any honestly. any thoughts on what the plot might entail? Um, obviously a deep government conspiracy, potentially um, government denial of a threat that um, they kind of are responsible for. 
That's a fair. That's a fair uh, assumption because I. I mean, that, you're, you're telling me it's, it's like the Winter Soldier, and so I'm just kind of vaguing that one out. You well, know? and then you know, of course, in real life, of course, that's uh, you know the whole common thing is where. Uh, like the United States funding militias. Yeah, that or that or uh, and then denying it. As we'll get into maybe in a pre in a future episode, there are plenty of cases in which the intelligence community had knowledge about an attack that was then carried out, so leading to the the common idea that uh, the attacks that happen on American soil only happen because the uh, national security community allowed them for some reason or another. Hmm. So that's a decent guess. Um, not, not, I wouldn't say it's exactly on, but, uh, in many ways, I understand why you guessed that, and it is a, it is a yeah, good yeah. guess. Oh. Now, Austin has fallen over, he's stone drunk right now, uh, and I'll have to do the rest of the episode by myself, because Austin fell over and passed out. Oh, God, help me, please. Forgot to ask, you having a beverage while we delve into this seedy world of conspiracy, Austin? Yeah, so um, I'm just sipping on the huge, the perb, the perb, Doctor Perber. Uh, very good, of course. What you sipping on, baby? I have a nice one of those nice cardboard juice box esque bottles of wine. Ooh. Uh, and nice it's a it's a it's a it's a very nice moscato, very sweet. Is it a pink or red moscato? I think it's pink. I can't tell, nice. though, because it's obviously in a box, and I'm just drinking it well, sometimes straight. sometimes it says, like, on a box. Well, it, it has pink. It There are pink design details to the box, mm. so I'm going to guess pink. And on the back it says, uh, blending aromas of peaches and apricots. So, peaches are pink, in a way. Yeah, pink and and orange. Um... I mean, it's pretty normal for a for a light red wine like that to have some stone fruit influence. Sure, I decided to get. I'm I'm drinking my classy beverage of wine because we're doing a we're doing a a sophisticated conspiracy thriller. You know, the other day I worked a five course dinner at work that was um, each course was paired with a different type of wine, a different wine, and um, as I was leaving, our our food and beverage manager was like hey Austin do you want to take home any of the wine I was like actually yeah do you have any of, of that Brunello left over and he was like yeah sure and he, so he hands me a whole bottle and I take it home and I've got this app that like you can take a picture of a wine's label and it tells you like what it is and where you can find it and what it pairs with and all that sure that was a hundred dollar bottle of wine wow for free <laughs> for free <clears throat> on I top of you on top of your normal salary <laughs> yeah i love working at a fancy restaurant <laughs> very nice uh i had no clue what a moscato even was until i bought this at the grocery store yesterday nice so that's Howdy. my knowledge of wine well from in my last semester at culinary school i had to take a food and beverage pairing class so i learned all about wine very nice well without without further ado austin uh let's delve into the case files let's conspire a little bit let's conspire and perspire a little bit because you have your you have your air conditioning off because it's loud when we're recording and delve into the plot of three days of the condor secret
All right. All right. Three Days of the Condor. I also, I forgot to mention, you asked what this was based on. It's based on a novel, I believe, called Six Days of the Condor. But I think it was at least partially changed, obviously, in the time at least shortened. I don't know how much of the plot was changed, though. Anyway, we... Well, I had to shorten it for screens. Well, of course, you, you can't... You can't you, have six days. You can't have a movie that takes place in six days. That's just too long for a movie. You know what I mean? Now, Three Days of the Condor. We are opening, and we are introduced to Robert Redford, whose name, I believe, is like Joseph something. I, I kind of just called him Robert Redford in my notes, because that's who he is. Uh, and he's kind of like a bookish sort of proto hipster almost uh type guy and he rides a moped uh and he of course uh he works for the cia uh specifically we watch him enter a building that is labeled as the american literary historical society however oh yeah that is but a front of front it's a front of a name it's truly a cia uh department or cia front and at this job uh it's a fairly small operation in an old building in new in Mm -hmm. new york a historic looking kind of uh house mansion almost and he works there among other people he works there with his uh hot asian girlfriend Nice, nice uh that's a that's a real um what do you that's a real common thing apparent seemingly with the uh former like Former defense and military and uh, and and intelligence people, they all seem to like retire and move to Thailand with with and where they marry some like Asian lady. You know what I mean? You know what yeah, I'm getting no, at here? Def- definitely a that weird uh, middle-aged white guy marrying an Asian lady. Isn't Mitch McConnell married to an Asian lady? Is he? I'm I wasn't aware if he is. Hot Asian wife. Yeah, Elaine Chow is her name. Mm. Is she, like, substantially younger? Um, I don't think she's substantially younger. I mean, I'd say most living things are younger than Mitch McConnell. That's true. I just She's 68. Okay, so so he's got himself a Japanese war bride, is what you're saying. Yeah, um, definitely feels like it. All right. What a, she's... Pl- what a player, that Mitch McConnell. Oh, yeah, she served as the Secretary of Transportation under Trump from 2017 to this year. Oh, well, there and you go. And was Secretary of Labor in the Bush administration from 2001 to 2009. So, apparently she's... They got married in, they got married in 93, though, so, right. like, it's possible he had influence on in all of that. Yeah. Well, now you know. You're turtle-looking motherfucker. That's true. Anyway, uh, back to the movie. So, Sorry. hot Asian girlfriend. And so... Uh, let me try to explain it's a bit confusing even in the movie watching it here it's a bit he takes a minute to understand so what robert redford does for the cia and what this department in this building does they are people with literary backgrounds in writing and editing and stuff like that and and english you know analysis and basically this department they read like everything that's published, which they analyze and take the keywords and like key plots and and information and details, they feed it into their computer, you know, 1970s computer system right, right. 
Um, and for the purpose of looking for strange inconsistencies or details, uh, possible secret messages and codes, um, any of which, you know, could either be, you know, actual operations that the CIA is partaking in that, that may being, that are being leaked in books secretly, Mm -hmm or using the ideas written in books to give ideas to the CIA for operations. So basically they're like uh, analyzing literature for tactical purposes, both for and po- and uh, trying to s- figure out possible threats against America and the CIA. It's kind of like how in the movie Seven... Um... They, they get access to the, the log of all the library books that people look at? Uh, I mean, I can see what you're saying, but not exactly. Okay. This is less having to do with public record and more having to do with the actual content of books and also where they're oh, published. Oh, to like, track the authors almost. Right. So, for okay, instance, okay. early on, we see Robert Redford come into the office and say, oh, did you send that report out that I made? And his head department guy is like, well, I did, but I, I don't see much there. And I don't think the departments that, you know, I don't think the higher ups are interested. It didn't really seem like there was much to it. And Robert Redford is like, no, there's definitely something weird going on because it's like a thriller book. Um, and it's, but it's not, it definitely didn't sell well. And yet it's being translated into these very oddly specific languages. He's like, it's being translated into Dutch and Arabic and Spanish, um, but not like French or German or, you know, other mm. more common languages. So he, he seems, he thinks there's some sort of strange reason at play that this seemingly unpopular book is having this strange publication history. And so he sends that information on, um, but it doesn't seem like there's anything to it, according to his higher-ups. Um, and so overall, Robert Redford, he's kind of stuck in this job, yet he expresses some unhappiness because he says he's unhappy that he can't tell the people in his life outside of the CIA uh, department what he does because it's a secret front. Um, right, and so he's kind of just overall unhappy with the situation. Anyway, he is assigned to go pick up lunch for the day. And so he, instead of leaving out the front door, door though, it's raining outside. So he kind of sneaks through their little back uh, way exit that they're not supposed to technically use. Um, and as he does this, we see the front door of the um, building being watched. And as Robert Redford entered earlier, his name was crossed off a list along with all the other people working there since he was the last getting there. So Robert Redford exits up the back. This person watching the door doesn't see him do so. Um, And while Robert Redford has gone to the sandwich shop to pick up lunch, uh, three guys approach the building, um, one of which dressed as a mailman, which the door has a buzzer on it that has to be unlocked from the inside by the secretary. The mailman causes this to happen, Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once he gets the door open, he holds it open for the other two. They walk in, uh, and before the secretary or the security guy downstairs can even say anything, these three guys whip out some sort of, uh, automatic submachine gun with silencers, and they 
ice the secretary, just rattle her full whole shoot the uh, security guy before he can do anything. The head director, or not the head, but the that that building's uh, manager guy of that department comes down the stairs uh, and is shot. Uh, and then they move upstairs. They kill the two other guys working up there before then finally killing the Asian girlfriend of Robert Redford. Just completely professionally uh, executed. Um, very clean, very quick. And I mean, this shit escalated quickly. Yeah, they like they really they just went right off the bat, like whole balls to the wall. Whole department just taken out within less than five minutes. I'm just saying, this movie it was like, no, no, no. There's no like rising action here. It's like, yeah, here's here's a little bit of setup, and then here's everything. That yeah, it's we're we're off to the races. Um, Respect it. So yeah, the completely professionally executed hit seemingly robert redford uh comes back um this time he comes to the front door obviously because he has to be let in since the doors are locked uh however though obviously he finds that front door jar from the intruders um and he enters and is confused at first and then he notices the guard shot up and the secretary and of course then he goes upstairs and finds his friends and girlfriend also dead right he listens in and he it appears as if his as if the uh the shooters have left the assassins have left um and robert redford makes his way back downstairs he grabs the um i believe it's a colt 45 from the um secretary's desk uh and tucks that uh in his waistband covers it up with his shirt and he makes his way out he uh, decides not to take his moped deciding to stay on foot so to not indicate that he's still that he left the building and he runs to a nearby phone booth he calls his uh he calls the head cia office like switchboard uh and he is patched in to oh first he tells them he has to give him like his specific department code and his specific code name which as the name would imply, is Condor. Condor. Yes, very nice. clever. So he's got a cool-ass code yeah. name, huh? And apparently everyone in his apartment did, because he, he refers to the secretary as Nightingale, um, oh, etc. I believe that at least that department was all birds, so he's Condor. He gets patched in um, to... Uh, or, you know, the, he is told by the switchboard, kind of the guy who's in charge of the main phones at the CIA... Uh, headquarters in new york he's told basically to lay low uh find somewhere safe and to call back in two hours um while he's doing this the switchboard technical operator guy track traces his phone call sees what phone booth he's at so we're shown that they have the power to very quickly at least for the 70s very quickly trace the location of a call so basically told to lay low call back in 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 two hours and they they would send a team to check out the the building and then and what happened um so the switchboard guy calls up tells the deputy director who i guess is like the deputy director in charge of all new york cia operations okay okay he's basically informed of the situation um and this director deputy director dispatches a team his name's higgins by the way this deputy director 
he dispatches kind of a, a team to go survey, survey the building and is also tells, uh, yeah, we need to we need to find Robert Redford. We need to find Condor. So Robert Redford tries to lay low and calm down. We see him walking around in a museum. I can't it's remember. Move, Robbie. What is it? The modern art? Is it the MoMA? The one that's like the the big abstract kind of like white swirly shape thing? Yeah, because it's not the Met, because the Met's like a very old right. school building. He's, so uh, he's, he's in, in the, MoMA. He's in MoMA because you see that area where it's like the the like spiral like um, ramp. Spiral Agnew. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's 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 with Spiral Agnew from the Nixon administration. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's in the MoMA. Um, he also he goes in the park and he eats uh, he eats a uh, soft pretzel uh, in nice. the park. And you can tell he's kind of paranoid. He's kind of like looking around because he, he's he's a bit paranoid, wondering if all you know who who around him could possibly maybe be a, a threat, potentially. Anyway, right. uh, you know the basically you know guys check the um, building and tell the director yeah everyone's dead and you know again they're told to find Condor, find Robert Redford. Robert Redford attempts first to go to a, a guy who I guess was with their department, but not at work that day. But upon entering that guy's apartment, he um, sees that the guy is dead already. Uh, and he very narrowly escapes being seen by two men who, who arrive to, to check that apartment also. So p- potentially that he's being followed. He also goes to his own apartment but before he enters, his his neighbor is like, "Oh, your friends are waiting upstairs. Uh, you know, the one they just got here a couple minutes ago." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Robert Redford knows that's a red flag and 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 gets the hell out of there. Uh, and Smart so move. Thanks. Shout out to that neighbor. Right. And finally, Robert Redford uh, calls back in to the CIA, and he's routed to the deputy director. And basically, the deputy director is. Uh, says your department head is flying in from Washington, uh, like the head of your specific area of this like research department that you work for. Uh, he's flying in and we want he's gonna meet up with you uh, in this alleyway behind this hotel. Meet him here at this time in a couple hours. Uh, Robert Redford's a bit uh, to say the least on it you know and and understandably so. He's, he's like, I don't know you. I don't know this guy. You know, obviously, you know, you have to understand how this sounds to me. This sounds like, uh, this sounds... Like a setup. Like yeah, this, get killed. this sounds, this sounds risky. I need some way to be able to trust you. And basically they ask, okay, do you know any other people who work in the, who work for us? And bas- Robert Redford ends up saying, oh, I have a friend who works in, or I, I can't remember if it's him. I think they, I think the director is like, uh, we see you, you know, a, a guy who works in our accounting department and Robert Redford's like, okay, yeah, I do know Sam. I do know this guy. Um, so they basically say, okay, we'll bring him with us and you'll recognize him and you'll be able to know that it's, everything's good. And so they agree. Um, and he's coaxed into meeting by, by them bringing this friend, uh, from the, actually I was wrong, not, not accounting statistics department. Oh, so okay, okay. So time, you know, an hour later or whatever, uh, you know, they they strap. We, we see them strapping up this uh, this, you know, statistics guy who works at a desk to go with this direct uh, this uh, head of the department guy to meet Robert Redford in this alleyway back behind a hotel. And Robert Robert Redford finally shows up and he sees his friend, 
and um, he walks towards the friend, and it's just the friend standing in the alleyway. And from, because we've seen where we saw the friend and the head of the department talking, so we know that the head of the department is, like, just, like, out of sight behind kind of the corner of this wall, but we don't know why he's kind of, like, hiding. And so as Robert Redford approaches, he's like, Sam, where's, you know, where's Winks? Where's the head of the, where's this head of the department guy? And, um... And his friend, like, looks towards the direction that this guy is in, um, mm-hmm. kind of giving it away and allowing Robert Redford to jump out of the way just as, just before uh, this guy, this head of the department guy, steps out with a, with a silenced handgun and starts shooting at Robert Redford. Um, an inside job. Robert Redford is able to jump out of the way. He, fire, he fires back, and he hits this guy... Um, he he hits this guy not a not a kill shot but enough to knock him down and 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 put him out of uh, put him out of commission. But before as Robert Redford runs away, we see this department guy uh, shoot the innocent friend of Robert Redford, not wanting obviously to have a have a witness to what happened. Right, right. So obviously Robert Redford is uh, is is freaked the hell out. He he's basically running through Manhattan and he eventually you know there's police sirens in the distance that we don't know if they're related to the shooting or if they're the different thing but anyway Robert Redford spooked enough that he runs into a, like a shop and goes into the back kind of and is is kind of pretending to browse but then also he ducks down behind a, a rack of items and um, kind of watches he he picks up on this lady at the checkout seeing that her name's Kathy by her talking to the guy at the register and so when she leaves the store he follows her and kind of walks up and is like hey kathy hey how's it going i've been looking for or like kathy i've been looking for you sweetie where where were you and but before she can say anything he's upright against her and he pulls out the gun and and kind of hiding it and he's like uh you know get in the car act normal and start driving um, so basically, he he, kid, he 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 holds this lady hostage and kidnaps her so that she she drives him off, um, and so they they get in the car and and he basically is like, "Do you live alone?" And she tries to bluff and say she does, uh, she doesn't, and he can tell that, so he's like, "Take us to your place." Um, meanwhile, we see the deputy director Higgins uh, con- uh, meeting with a bunch of. Um, even higher up than than him, uh, security, national security, CIA type guys mm-hmm. in this secret meeting room in New York that is hidden uh, under a false company called um, what was it called Five Continents Imports, but like obviously it's kind of just this secret bunker meeting place for all these guys, and we see Higgins, this deputy director, saying um, basically. Uh, he's saying, so, you know, uh, Winks, this head of the department guy is, is critically wounded and he's in the ICU. Um, but we weren't able to get to him in time. So he's in a public hospital. Um, uh, and then it seems that Condor also killed, uh, Sam. So we don't know if Higgins is intentionally lying to these guys or if he himself is also not aware of the situation. So, okay. um, so, you know, cause he's like, we don't know the situation. We don't know who killed everyone in his department either. Maybe he's in on it. So we don't know if, if Higgins is, is intentionally obscuring the truth to these higher ups above him or if Higgins is in on it and, and lying. So 
Meanwhile, Robert mm. Redford gets back to uh, Kathy, this lady's apartment, uh, where they kind of hold up. Um, he, he, you know, kind of just wants to be able to clear his head because he and hide for a little while. He decides that he's like, I can't, I can't think because it's like nighttime now. It's like evening. And he decides, oh, I want to a hard day. Right. He's he's like, I need to, I need to get rest and think. But because he like obviously he's told the lady like, oh, I'm, I'm. There, you know, I'm, I work for the CIA, and he's tried to convince her by showing her that like his ID that has like a fake company name on it has the same phone number as the CIA office. Obviously, she doesn't believe him though. So like, for when he takes a nap, he has her like lay right next to him on the bed, and he literally like uh, makes her put her arms behind her back and his arm around her, and he's like, so if you try to move or get up, I'll feel, I'll, I'll feel it, and and you know, I'll. I'll I'll stop you. So basically he has to like force her to like lay next to him in bed so that he can take a nap. Um, so that he can, he can make sure she doesn't like call the police while he's sleeping. I guess he's, <laughs> I guess he's not, a, I guess he's a fairly light sleeper. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd have to be at that point. Anyway, uh, we also – I wanted to say at one point um, Higgins is like uh, – when he explains to his higher-ups and they're like, he shot Sam like it, it, right above the flak jacket. It's like an incredible shot. Like is, is this guy trained with a, with a weapon? And Higgins is like, uh, well, he served two years in the military, but he just trained with uh, – he just trained with, uh, you know, a rifle, He's, and he was in, uh, he was in communications. He, he wasn't like a, a an infantry or anything. And so basically, like, how the hell is he so good at, at shooting or something? And Higgins is like, well, we're told since he's in this reading department, we're told that he reads everything. And and they're like, what do you mean reads everything? It's like apparently this guy just like knows a shit ton of stuff because he just like constantly is just like reading books both for work and outside of. So he's just, but like even, but even then, so like we know that's true about him, but then we also know that he didn't even shoot Sam. So you know, but also that's gonna give uh, that gives credit to later on when he kind of is able to smartly do things and it makes sense because oh i guess he i guess he's aware of how to do things because he's read about it both right, both yeah. cia you know official information and documents and procedures but also just books anyway um this man he's just reading a fuck time right so we see the guy who is who was the kind of the main leader this kind of older guy played by max von Sydow with glasses and a European accent, who was kind of the leader of the three-guy hit team that took out Robert Redford's department while he was gone for lunch. Uh, we see him being rehired by some guy we don't know yet. And we see him being rehired and basically like, um, you know, we need you to kill this guy. And, uh, you know, obviously you missed him the first time. We need you to take him out because he's going to jeopardize this whole situation. Um, and we don't know who this CIA guy hiring him yet is. And so basically this this guy, and I thought he was French, but I think he's supposed to be like German or something, uh, assassin is rehired to kill both Robert Redford, but then also take out the wounded um, Winks, the, the deputy, or the, uh, the department head who Robert Redford shot and is in the hospital to tie up loose ends. So kill Robert Redford, kill the guy in the hospital. 
uh, after his nap, Robert Redford turns on the news and sees a report about the uh, shooting in the alleyway, and they're completely covering it up, saying, oh, these two guys, it looks like maybe it was a mugging gone wrong. Uh, you know, we think it's a completely unrelated, uh, you know, thing. And basically, it's a complete cover-up on the news as well. Um, meanwhile, and then he also, uh, he decides he, he remembers something, so he, he ties up Kathy um, and decides to take her car, and he drives to Sam, his murdered friend. He drives to the his wife's house, where him and the Asian girlfriend and Sam and his wife were supposed to have dinner that night. And basically, he arrives there, says, like, go upstairs to these friends that you're neighbors with, uh, up a floor or whatever, and just stay with them, you know, until you hear from me or whatever. And, and as he puts her on the elevator to send her there, we see the... Uh, European assassin get off the elevator. Um, and so we have this very tense scene where then him and Robert Redford both get on the elevator and they're just standing in the elevator. And I, and I, and I have to assume this influenced at least to some degree, the, the elevator scene from Captain America, civil, uh, winter soldier. Um, Oh yeah. Because so there's, before we get started, there's no action in the scene, but just like the tension, because mm. you know, slowly like the other people who were on the elevator leave, um, and then it's just Robert Redford and this guy, and obviously Robert Redford doesn't know him. He doesn't know what he looks like, so he doesn't know he's right. an assassin. But he's kind of just on edge and paranoid about everyone. And of course, this guy knows that it's Robert Redford and knows that this is his target, and so they end up, you know, they're having a very calm conversation. Uh, the assassin guy walks out. Robert Redford kind of straggles behind. There's a bunch of younger people in the lobby, and he's like, "Hey, I locked myself in my car. Do any of you know how to, you know, use a coat hanger for that?" And he's like, "You know, I'll give you five dollars. Here, come on. Why don't you all come along with me uh, and, and go help, come help me with this?" And so basically, he uses all these people leaving with him to to kind of provide him cover because as he leaves, we we cut to the assassin's perspective, and he's already kind of like gone to the. He's kind of off into the bushes and has a has the sights of a rifle trained on Robert Redford. Ooh, but he, he uses all these people to kind of get initially out of the building, and then he runs and makes it to the car and drives off in time. However, uh, the assassin, Max von Sydow, he sees with his scope, he's able to look and, and take down the, the, the license plate number of the car as Robert Redford drives off. Um Let's see. Uh, so Robert Redford gets back to the apartment. Him and the lady kind of connect, and she starts to trust him and stuff. They have sex, of course, because they, you know, they 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 have sex and kind of start forming feelings for each other. Meanwhile, at the hospital, we see the uh, heart monitor for the department head Winks flatline. So he's been taken out by the assassin. Next morning, Robert Redford's getting up, and he's kind of. Uh, he, he, he puts together that, um, he's like, I, he couldn't remember the department head's name cause he'd never met him before, but he basically uses the report he sent Reese. He, he looks at the report that he, that he, um, sent and got a, you know, thing back from saying, we got your report. The, the one about the books being published in Arabic and Dutch and Spanish that his, his, his main manager guy was like, we don't, they don't think there's anything about it, but he looks at that note and sees that Winks's name is on that note. 
Um, and he's like, okay, so obviously he got this. And now he starts to put together maybe this report I sent in that was a mis- that, that I was told was dismissed was actually something more. And they're actually trying to gum after me because of this. And he just has a hunch. Anyway, while the girl is getting dressed and in the shower or whatever, because they have a thing they're going to go do, they have a plan. Uh, a mailman arrives with a package. Uh, Robert Redford goes to the door to get it and tries to sign for it. Um, the pin doesn't work, so Robert Redford walks into the apartment to get a pin, um, and he notices that the mailman starts to follow him, and, and kind of just before it's too late, he notices that the mailman is wearing, like, suede, like, dress shoes, Ooh. which kind of keys, of course, as, as, uh, as Black Dynamite says in the film Black Dynamite, uh, donuts don't wear alligator shoes, uh, and so this tips him off. He grabs the coffee pot and rolls it around and tosses the hot coffee from the stove that's onto the... That's an awfully the... pot coffee, coffee pot. That's an awfully pot coffee hot. That's a hot coffee, awfully pot hot, hot it is. Anyway, he, he throws this hot coffee on the guy. Oh, oh my God. Fuck. Sorry, my knee down. my desk. All right. He throws the hot coffee on the guy's face right as the mailman is starting to pull the uh, silent submachine gun out of his mail carrier bag. He, he, so he drops the gun, him and the guy get in a hand-to-hand fight, and Stuffle. eventually, after the fight, uh, Robert Redford is able to grab his pis- the pistol in time and kill the assassin. And on the assassin's body, he finds a nondescript key to a room, as well as a note uh, that seems to have a phone number on it, and he calls the phone number. Um, and he eventually figures out with using the right area code and everything that it leads to the CIA and then has a specific like department code and, and that department code leads directly to Winks, the, the guy that tried to shoot him earlier, um, oh, and that got killed in the hospital. It directly leads to his department. Cause he's like, uh, can I speak to, um, department head Winks? And they're like, oh, he's not here right now. And he, who is this? And Robert Hartford hangs up. So now he's really sure that like somehow this is like an inside thing tied to the CIA. No, I mean, um, it has to be like Hydra is clearly inside of shield at this point. Yeah. So, so Robert Redford, uh, you know, he has this, he knows all this information now. Um, he, he knows his report he filed has somehow led to all this. Him and Kathy go to, they drive to the World Trade Center again at, and to the CIA office where Kathy goes up into the World Trade Center to the CIA office headquarters of New York. Um, and she pretends like she is, uh, trying to like get a job or something. And is told, like, okay, now go down to the hallway to this person with your information. She intentionally, like, um, avoids that and instead finds the door of Higgins, the the deputy, like, director of New York operations. And she opens the door and is like, oh, I'm sorry, is this this person? And he's like, no, he's, he's back down the hall. You went past... But she does that because then later she sees his face, and then later there her and Robert Redford are waiting separately uh, in the lobby of the World Trade Center. She sees him get off the elevator and leave to go to lunch, so she trails him, follows him to the place where he sits down for lunch, then goes inside and is basically like, "I have a message for you. Uh, you need to follow me right now outside. Leaving, we need to follow me outside this exit of the restaurant." Um, and I would suggest doing it because my the condor has a has a gun trained on you right now. <laughs> so basically, they they kidnap him in the car. Uh, Yo, this and- is like 
like more than a little bit the winter soldier mm-hmm. like this is the scene where fucking falcon calls um god i can't remember his fucking name but he's one of the hydra agents inside shield and he's like and i suggest you do it and he's like why that and he goes because that looks like a really expensive tie and i don't want to ruin it and there's like a laser on his tie right so so they kidnap him in the car uh robert redford starts basically to question him and eventually they end up kind of outside uh, on the water uh in a, in a park um overlooking the the river and so uh they basically start to um you know kind of robert redford's kind of questioning him um basically um uh, meanwhile, we cut and we see the uh, Max von Sydow assassin guy. He's in his hotel room painting uh, little figurines, nice. uh, like model figurines. He gets a call and is alerted that um, Robert Redford's still alive, that the mailman never came back. And so basically he's like, all right, I guess I need to take care of this myself again. Uh, Robert Redford has a, has a conversation with, his, uh, with, the, with Higgins and is basically like finds out that... Um, this guy who's trying to kill him, the assassin, he's a former agent who's now kind of gone independent, like contract killer type of a thing. Nice. Um, Robert Redford's like, well, who, you know, what's all, you know, who hired him? And, and Higgins is like, well, it's the, the only people who, who are able to contact this guy are within the community. And I like, I like that uh, upon the saying, like, the community, that prompts Robert Redford to give, like, a great line, and he's like, community, and then Higgins is like, yeah, you know, CIA, and he's like, oh, community? Jesus, you guys are kind to yourselves. And I, I, I love that line where it's basically Robert Redford's like, you guys are fucking, like, murdering, like, assholes, and, like, a you call yourselves a community, you call, like, you know, basically, like, the whole movie, like, people getting killed are, like, you know, oh, they're, they're, uh, compromise like they never use like real words and i believe in this scene um i can't remember if it's this scene or the end where it might be the end um but uh i'll save it for later because i think it's the end but basically he's like you know this is ridiculous and he's like what are you going to do to help me and and higgins is basically like not helpful at all he's like well we can't we're not going to really do anything it's like what you're just gonna let them kill me just to see who's responsible for this uh, uh, and Robert Redford starts to suspect that it's like, uh, and him and Higgins are like starting to suspect that it's like a job of like a CIA within the CIA, uh, sort of a situation. Um, and so, uh, you know, Higgins kind of is no help and is just like, sorry, you know, you're, you're compromised and you're not worth, you know, it's not worth risking, uh, the situation to try to help you. And so Robert Redford's basically like, well, fuck you then, you know, I'm going to do this on my own. He traces the key that he found on the mailman assassin to a hotel, and he steals from, like, a nearby, um, like, you know, like, I don't know, like, some phone, like, phone, the phone company, like, van working on, like, a street nearby. He goes into the back and steals the case that has, like, the, um, like, old school um like phone device that they would use to like uh connect to like the main switchboard thing of like a building and then like it's like a phone but instead of it's like an old school like phone handle you know with mouthpiece and thing at the top but on the back of the uh the the piece on your ear there's a there's a dial and so basically you can hook it directly into a building thing and like call the uh you know, main operator for the telephone company and get traces and all sorts of shit. So he uses that and he goes in the hotel, basically uses that to uh, figure out what room the assassin guy is staying in. 
and he uses that to uh, tap in and listen to the assassin guy. And he even records with a tape recorder the specific phone number the assassin guy puts in. So he records the tones, uses those, he plays back the tone on uh, on the phone itself to get clearance into the CIA. Like he uses the tone as like the code basically like phone jacking mm-hmm. to find yeah. out who uh, the assassin called, which is the guy that hired him that he's been trying to find this guy in the CIA. That's basically responsible for, for wanting him and his whole department killed. So he, he finds out that information. He, he uses that. He finds that phone number and he basically calls the phone department and is like, you know, I need a, I need a name and address for this number. They give him that, and he basically traces that guy's information, and now he knows who's kind of responsible. Um, nice. Meanwhile, um, let's see. Meanwhile, the Higgins, the deputy director, finds uh, at the CIA headquarters. He uses uh, his information to find the assassin... Um, he finds the mailman's ID, like who he was, the mailman assassin, and then he finds like um, how he's connected to Winks and how basically everything's connected himself. He's kind of figuring out it for himself. And I like how the assassin guy, uh, hit, first off, the assassin guy's name is um, Joe Bear, which I don't know is like, is that a reference to, to, to Les Mis or is it just like happened to sound similar to Javier from Les Mis, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but then also the code name of Max von Sydow's assassin character for when he worked in the CIA was Lucifer, which is just like, well, of course he's like he's like this ruthless assassin. Of course his name was Lucifer, his code name. Um, anyway, basically Higgins finds out all this information for himself. Meanwhile, Robert Redford calls back. He Robert Redford sneaks into like the phone company's main like headquarters, goes down in the basement. And he makes a call with, again, with this phone company, you know, phone, to make a call back to Higgins. He basically says, um, you know, I found the location of Joe Bear the Assassin. Um, he, he gives the name of the guy that he's found who seems to be behind it all. He's like, Higgins, who is this guy? Uh, but Higgins kind of won't tell him. While they're on the phone, they start trying to trace Robert Redford so that they can find him and stop him. Uh, but as they start to trace him, they are like, all right, well, we found him. He's, he's in Brooklyn. Why the hell is he in Brooklyn? And then the like map of where the trace supposedly leads to chains again. And then it changes again. And then it's like, oh, they realize Robert Redford is like somehow wired it by using like the phone company stuff to like route his phone through like every phone in the city, basically. And oh, so like, man. it's completely like hidden his, uh, hidden his location. Um, so they can't figure out where he is. Um, Robert Redford has a heartful, heartfelt goodbye to Kathy, who leaves. Um, this whole time, like, she was supposed to meet her boyfriend in Vermont to go skiing, but she's been held up by Robert Redford with all this. And they're basically like, well, you know, if you survive this, maybe we can get together again sometime. Uh, Robert Redford leaves for, for right outside of Washington in Maryland, where apparently this guy lives, who's responsible for it all. And Robert Redford finally confronts the guy um, in his house. Um and um basically he robert redford was right they decide they this guy from this department he says he's the deputy director in charge of middle east operations and basically robert redford discovered through these books that i guess they were the ones publishing these books like the cia the cia department itself and robert redford through his job discovered that the cia um had this like secret 
um, you know, communica communication between these different organizations and terrorist groups and stuff like that in the Middle East. Um, he discovered it, and of course they didn't want that exposed, so they had Robert Redford and his whole department killed. Um, and Robert Redford has finally has his realization. He's like, oil, that's it, isn't it? This is all about oil, isn't it? Because basically it all comes down to like this whole secret, uh, you know, ring, uh, communication ring that this sub-community uh, Middle East Department of the CIA was doing was like doing all this shady shit just to get like uh, connections and, and alliances to, to get access to oil in the Middle East. Robert Redford. I mean, that's like like very realistic. Right, right, like. of course. And Robert Redford's just kind of like he kind of steps back and he's just baffled. He's like, all these, all you know, like all these people I know, uh, and all these other people, they've they've died just because of like this, like all oil, this bullshit. Um, but before he can do anything, he hears like, uh, you know, put your thumb on the uh, on the hammer and 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 you know, put caught uncock the gun and put it down and Joe Bader the assassin has walked in and is behind Robert Redford while he wasn't looking Robert Redford does that and and you know steps back Joe Bear has the gun on him um but before you know Robert Redford before he does anything to Robert Redford Joe Bear kind of just like um turns to uh this guy who, who initially hired him whose name is Atwood or something like that I can't remember and Atwood's like, oh, thank goodness, Joe Bear, you, you really saved my ass. And before he can even finish, Joe Bear just, boom, shoots shoots Atwood or whatever this guy's name was. And he's dead. And Robert <laughs> Woods is like, what? 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 You, you killed him. And Joe Bear's basically like, yeah, I, I got I got a new job. You know, I was like, I was rehired. You know, I was hired by this. Basically, Joe Bear was hired by the CAA in the middle of his job with of hunting Robert Redford, he was then all the stuff Higgins did. Higgins tracked him down, basically competitively like outbid, uh, so that he hired him to go and kill the guy responsible for all the killings in the first place um, to cover it all up. Because like obviously he didn't want this guy who like caused all this mess in the first place to still be controlling and shit. So so Higgins hired Joe Bear to kill the guy that hired him originally. Um, and so, oh and so, so deep. right. And so Robert Redford is like, oh, so they hired you to like clean up the whole situation. Are you, are you going to kill me? And, uh, Joe Bear's like, no, you know, uh, I'm, you know, my job is no longer focused on you. Um, but he's like, and he gives this really good speech where he's like, but, um, he's, he's like, uh, I would suggest staying out of New York. Cause he's like, basically he's like you're going to be killed by the CIA, cia and he's like you know it's going to be someday maybe in autumn you're going to be walking down the street on a sunny day walking down the street and a car will pull up next to you and someone maybe someone even someone you know is going to get out of the car and and start talking to you but then you realize that they left the door of the car open um and that the uh, and and before you know it you'll be dead and they'll they'll have driven off and basically saying like you know you're inevitably like a target of the CIA now because you know all this information and are like aware of like this shady shit that they're involved in and that they killed their own people in, including all of your friends um good god so uh you know they kind of have this this moment um and he's like, hey, uh, the asset Joe Bear is like, maybe you should move to Europe. It's quite nice there. And Robert Redford's like, no, I, I'm, I'm not meant for that. I, I'm, I'm staying here. 
And Jarvis like, well, good luck. I, I'll drop you off at the train station or whatever. Um, so, so then it's the next day. Uh, Higgins uh, and and Robert Redford have set to meet. They meet outside on the street. Um, Higgins kind of just walks up, but but Robert Redford, smart as he is, he sees like a car of men um, right next, uh, you know, kind of like turn around, you know, like park at the corner, mm-hmm. and he's and he goes up to Higgins and is like, uh, you know. What if I were to tell you I have a forty-five right now on your abdomen? Or, you know, like right now aimed at your gut. Uh, and uh, and he's like Higgins is like, well, I would probably do what you told me. And he's like, all right, then uh, walk a, walk in front of me a couple paces and and wave your car to to move on. Um, and so basically they do and they kind of have a conversation. And um, Higgins is like uh, basically gives this whole kind of speech about like you know it's our duty to do this because you know right now it's oil but in 20 years it's going to be you know food or plutonium and americans when when it's too late america we have to have already done the dirty work because once americans realize that that it's a crisis and that they need whatever it is it's already too late so basically he's like we have to do all this shady shit it's our it's our job it's our responsibility um and robert redford you know is kind of just like that's bullshit um and 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 is uh and is uh, starting to is is gonna leave, and uh, Higgins is like, well, uh, you know, you know, even though you leave right now, you know, you're still a target, um, and you know, all this dies with you. And Robert Redford is like, uh, no, they actually, you know, did you look at where we're standing? Uh, I already gave it all to them, and it like pans up, and they're right outside the offices of the New York Times. Oh um, and as they're standing there, Robert Redford kind of like smirks as he thinks he's won and he's walking away. Um, and as he's walking away, Higgins is like, um, how do you know they'll print it? And Robert Redford is just kind of like, oh, they'll print it. And, and Higgins looks back again and he kind of gives, we, we can't, it, they leave it ambiguous and we can't really tell, um, Oh, it, also, I wanted to mention at one point, even Higgins is like, we do have plans to invade the Middle East, but all of this is games to us. It's games and, and tricks, and we have to decide what to do. We have to have plans. So I like that he, he even mentions that they have plans to invade the Middle East. And God, this is this is, in the, this is in 1975, you know, like years before we would ever yeah. have, you know, the Gulf War and, and Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, but basically, uh, Robert Redford is uh, is like, well, if everything's a game, then uh, then my trick is I gave it to the New York times and you know, he's like, how do you know that they'll print this? And Robert said, they'll print it. And as Robert Redford starts to walk off, Higgins asks one more time, kind of cryptically, how do you know they'll print it? Uh, and Robert Redford kind of looks back and it's freeze frame and ends. And we're left on, Oh, is, is obviously in real life. No, they wouldn't. Cause this, the New York times is a hundred percent bought, bought off by oh, the, yeah. bought off by the, bought off by the, the government and the, and the intelligence community. But in the movie we're, we're left wondering, Oh, is, was it was it all revealed or or or, did, or was robert all redford not. all for not and that's damn. three days of the condor well damn i want to watch this movie now Well, Austin, what do you what do you think of the what do you think of the film? Oh, I want to watch it, baby! I want to watch it right now. It's pretty good. I was very, uh, I very much enjoyed it. It's a very good thriller. Perfect amount of uh, suspense and moments of, of action and you know intrigue mixed with, of course, you know the the quieter moments. 
but above you you know so like yeah on just like a purely on like a you know artistic level on like in an entertainment level it's a really fun and good movie but of course again this is conspiracy month so i mean i think that it's pretty i mean for 19 realistic yeah and for 1975 it's very much like uh you know pretty outright uh you know making the cia the bad guys and casting not only this one little part but even like higgins and the whole upper department even though they weren't like directly involved with this like killing this assassinations and cover up they were still in in the end they're still complicit and wanting to cover it up because they don't want to jeopardize the integrity of of the company they call it the again one of the euphemism they they can't well they call it the whole like intelligence thing the community but they call the cia constantly in the movie they call it the company um so they don't want to jeopardize the company, obviously. So, like, yeah, like, it's pretty outwardly, like, yeah, the CIA is pretty fucked up. They will literally kill, like, their own people. And and even the ones not involved in it are, are fine just, like, letting that happen if it means, yeah. like, overall protecting the, the the integrity of the agency. Good lord. Um, That's too real. So, yeah, it's, it's very much... And, I mean, like I said at the beginning... This is a fictional story, but it's very much like, obviously, you know, you know, we constantly hear, oh, you know, you know, almost every conspiracy in some way or another comes back to incredibly so, as we'll get into, at least in one of the episodes coming up is on uh, is on JFK. Um, you know, every conspiracy comes back to, oh, you know, the FBI or the CIA had this person killed. Um, right, and because they probably did. You know, we've never gotten concrete. They've never come out and admitted it. But, like, you know, even up to as current as, like, Epstein and all that, it's like, you know, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's ubiquitous that, oh, the CIA is 100% fine killing their own and killing American citizens to, to, to preserve a certain amount of status quo and, right. and control. I would also love to hear you say you know one more time. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> um, I, I did want to point out that this movie came out uh, right after a sort of a scandal in the CIA called the Family Jewels, uh, as it's, it's kind of the nickname. And it's a series of reports. That basically came out in 1974, were leaked um, and revealed to the New York Times, actually. And so I'm assuming that had, you know, an influence on, on hmm. the, the course of this story. Basically, by an investigative journalist, leaked, uh, revealed to the New York Times. And basically were like a long list of uh, really shady shit. Like, this was kind of the first time that real concrete, like, data and documents had ever been released that that showed that the CIA was involved in like mostly like illegal, immoral, uh, inappropriate conduct and how they act as an agency. Um, it was officially kind of released in 2007 by the CIA, but obviously mm-hmm. by then it had already been you know out by a long time. It is very funny because in the official version released. It, in, in the official summary of the report, um, 
in the introduction, it says, The Central Intelligence Agency violated its charter for 25 years until revelations of illegal wiretapping, domestic surveillance, assassination plots, and human experimentation led to official investigations and reforms in the 1970s. You know, as if this was just like a, a thing that happened and stopped a long time ago. It isn't like a core aspect of, right, like of the CIA. It's solved now. Like, it's all good. Yeah, Obviously. and so basically, it was like a it was like a dossier that kind of um, described numerous things between 1950s and, the, and 1970s stuff like um, you know kidnapping of of you know KGB defectors, wiretapping both foreign and abroad, uh, breaking into a former CIA's uh, uh, house, um, you know wiretapping and their own people. Um, opening mail illegally from the Soviet Union and from China. Um, eating, eating my leftovers after I told them not to. Stealing Austin's leftovers from the fridge. Uh, assassination plots against Castro uh, and other leaders as well, um, including Chile and Dominican Republic. Uh, what else? Um, surveillance of, of, of American citizens and uh, you know so-called dissonance, etc., um, so, you know, basically all this kind of obviously had a direct impact on, on this film of, of sort of illegal things the CIA was doing. Obviously nothing as, uh, bombastic as, you know, going in and shooting up a bunch of your own employees in an office. But, you know, just because that didn't come out with all this doesn't mean equally things of equal immorality and, and terrible nature didn't happen. Um, in terms of the ending of this film with him realizing, you know, what the whole issue was that caused this, the whole kind of secret CIA, uh, you know, de Middle East Department's connections to the Middle East and everything, um, and it being all about oil, I did want to point out, uh, kind of going back to a recent topic, obviously, in the news, with uh, Afghanistan and, let me say this right, the Mujahideen, because I was saying... Mujahideen, but it's Mujahideen. I was flipping the J and the H. It's Mujahideen. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mujahideen, which actually in Arabic means uh, like one who, uh, one who fights in the jihad or like one who you know enacts jihad. Uh, but anyway, like I mentioned in that episode, the king of Afghanistan a couple weeks ago when I talked about it to you, the king of Afghanistan was deposed by a cousin. That cousin kind of already started doing like reforms in the country. Mm -hmm. Then the Communist Party of Afghanistan took over and got the Soviet Union's uh, aid. Um, and of course, then that led to the U.S. funding these different uh, Mujahideen uh, rebel groups to fight against this uh, kind of communist controlled Afghanistan. Uh, specifically because, you know, obviously they wanted to, to combat the Soviet Union and, and, you know, just for the sake of, you know, political power. Uh, but also, you know, they for oil as well, they didn't want the Soviet Union having access to that oil. They wanted it I themselves. Mean, and literally, uh, one of, you know, the the person, the one of the main people who kind of was interacting with the Mujahideen was George H.W. Bush, George Bush Sr., because during the Reagan administration, which is when a lot of that took place, George W. George H.W. Bush was the CIA director. Um, so literally, we have in real life 
after the events of this movie in the 1980s, we have a CIA director directly funding. I mean, and, and it was more open at that point. It, it wasn't like a secret, but like obviously, like later on, it would we would realize how like terrible of a decision that was, and then we ended up fighting, like I said, the Mujahideen, which uh, turned into the Taliban, uh, or at least parts of it did. Uh, so we literally had a CIA director, George W. Bush, who like in his own right, his whole family has. Trust me, we'll get in next week, especially we'll get into the Bush family and Senior and W and all of the shady okay. ass shit they're into. Yeah. Uh, we'll next week, especially we'll we'll be talking a lot about that, but also the following week as well. Uh, literally, like being a CIA person working with a terrorist group in. Uh, in the Middle East to gain oil, which is literally like the revelation Robert Redford has at the end of this very movie. So like, you can't say that it didn't age well. It aged perfect. I mean, it it like literally aged exactly correct. And again, and again, like I said, Higgins at the end is like, uh, you know, we do have, we do have, you know, strategies and like plans if we needed to invade the Middle East. And of course, what did we end up doing eventually in the nineties and two thousands? Uh, we invaded the Middle East. East. Right. So heard of it, you know, in a lot of ways, this movie not only was it uh, very accurate to what had come before, but it was almost uh, predictive to a lot of the shady shit the CIA would do in years to come. So it, it, it's fairly uh, prophetic in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it like the writer of this movie definitely had some some understanding of American politics pretty deeply. I mean, I'm like. I, I'm surprised the guy. I'm not. I don't. Know who? Let me look at the uh, credits for who. I'm, not, I'm surprised, like Sydney, pa- like unalived. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, so James Grady wrote Six Days of the Condor, the book that it's based off of. Okay. And Lorenzo Simple Jr. and David Rayfield are the screenplay uh, credits for it. But yeah, like you said, I'm I'm surprised they uh, yeah they didn't get a knock at the door or or at least the the novel writer uh, James Grady <laughs> didn't. Yeah, like. You'd think that that uh, department of the CIA would have flagged it. Yeah, yeah, the writing department. Okay, I'm glad you brought back up this this in the movie this writing department. Um, hold on, I was just looking at James Grady's Wikipedia because I hadn't even thought to look it up. Um, yeah, apparently he, you know, he was a not he was he did a novelist, but he also uh, was also a very active uh, journalist as well. So. Not surprising that he that he also wrote, uh, apparently journalist work, um, probably yeah. dealing with uh, espionage and stuff as well. But uh, anyway, um, I'm glad you brought back up this uh, this department in the movie because I wanted to talk to you now about the fact that there is a very real like alternate timeline in which I when which I like myself am mm-hmm. believably doing literally this same type of job and I'm not exaggerating or like imagining a scenario I'm talking about there is literally a world in which I could have done that because at at the school I graduated from the art school where I took dramatic writing the CIA was there and apparently like in the past they were as well apparently like it's a long-standing thing but every year i was there they were always at our career job fair Mm. and they actively were hiring and looking to hire people specifically from the department i was in 
So you absolutely could have been doing that job. Yeah. And like, almost exactly that job. I don't know the specifics of exactly what they want, but, like, it being, like, they're looking for, like, people with writing backgrounds. I'm assuming it's something very similar along these lines. I heard at one point, and I don't know how real this was, or I don't even remember who it's from, but something along the lines of, like, they want writers to be able to write, like, cover stories for people almost, like, for hmm. fake identities, for, like, agents. But, like, yeah, I don't know the extent of what the CIA hired people. I, ne- I steer clear. I never even talked to them at the booth at the career fair. I was, I was like, I don't even want them, like, I, I mean, obviously, they're probably already aware of me just because of shit I posted online. I have posted online, and this, po- especially now with this podcast, um, and talking about Ted Kaczynski. Uh, anyway, though, I wanted to steer as much clear of that as I could. But yeah, there's a real, definitely, obviously, again, you know, I probably couldn't have been hired from them with my like online history and stuff at this point. Like, if last year I was like went up to their booth and was like, "Oh, hey, can you hire me?" They probably would look like at their files on my search One history Google and be search. like, "Unless they think they could like turn me to be like a to be a you know like an inside like an op, you know, oh join yeah, yeah. join uh you know join the the DSA and 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 be an inside person or whatever, oh, uh you know try to be a try to be a fed, uh." I, unless nuts. they wanted to do that and think they could like turn me or something, I doubt they would hire me. But like I said, it's still just eerie. Like, and I didn't realize going into this movie that that's the kind of thing he his character was in this movie. But like, you know, I think there is a definite like possibility that I could have been in a job like that. And who I don't know anyone like specifically who's taken that job, but I'm sure I know there are alumni from our school who are working with the CIA. I mean, obviously, like, if they keep coming back. Right. They Obviously, they've, like, had success with hiring people and have been satisfied with the people they've hired. Um, like, I could, literally, I did this last night. If I go on our kind of, like, alumni network, uh, like, job posting board that the uh-huh. school does where they post jobs and stuff, it's kind of like a private LinkedIn. Uh, there's no jobs at the moment, but, like, the CIA is literally in the database because they've had postings before. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, there's a, there's a, there's also an address on it. There's a PO box in Langley that, that apparently that's listed as the address. So maybe should we send them a, maybe we should send them a letter and say, hey, can you listen to this month of podcast and give us feedback on how accurate we are? <laughs> you think they'd go for it? Uh, they'd probably say that it's all false and that that's nothing but wild theories. They don't want to admit. They wouldn't admit to any of this. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure at the end of the movie, it's got the thing in the credits. It's like, the events are fictitious. Oh, yeah, definitely. relation to real events or characters. Right. Well, they um, had to cover their asses. Right, of course, of course. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my weird little personal connection to this movie. So, I'm, I, I'm glad I didn't take that job because I don't want to get fucking gunned down by, by my own people, um, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> God. But, uh, yeah, that's my weird personal connection, and that's uh, kind of this movie's real-world conspiracy connections. But uh, in all, yeah, it's very much, uh, though fictional, based in reality and based in how the CIA operates uh, remorselessly against its own people. Right. And how it operates internationally. Yeah, and how it it operates internationally um, for its own benefit. So that's three days of the condor, Austin. That sure is.
Jackson. Uh, that was Three Days of the Condor, of course, and that's episode one of Conspiracy Month in the bag. Hey, you know, we did it. Now only 12 more. We have taken our first proverbial step into the murky waters of the intelligence community, the CIA, and the conspiracies therein. Uh, and I'm enjoying it so far. I just hope that, uh, I hope I'm not taken out before we can record next week's episode, because let me tell you, Austin, next week's episode, like I mentioned, (laughs) uh, it is going to be our episode about 9-11. And not only 9-11, the event, but I'll tell you now, I'll go ahead and do a tease for you and for the audience. Not only 9-11, the event and the conspiracies surrounding it and, and, and the kind of uh, political landscape preempting it and after it, but also 9-11, the movie starring Charlie Sheen. Uh, There's a movie called 9-11? Yes, and it was released... Let me see. Um, Charlie Sheen movie. Uh, yeah, it, it was released in 2017. Starring uh, the likes of Charlie Sheen, Whoopi Goldberg, and uh, everybody's favorite character actor, Louise Guzman. So, <laughs> look forward to that, everybody. And Austin, as well. Uh, we're going to get into it all. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into, again, more Bush family secrets. We're going we're gonna to dive deep into the Bush, so to speak. And I ain't talking about pussy if you know what i mean we gotta dive into the bush we're gonna be talking about again the middle east iraq afghanistan the taliban bin laden we're gonna be talking about again the cia and uh what was known leading up to 9-11 and the weird inconsistencies there and we're gonna talk about was it an inside job or was it the taliban and al-qaeda or not taliban i mean uh al-qaeda sorry yeah figure it out uh was it al-qaeda and bin laden uh, did Bush do 9-11 or did he not? Or did he sort of do it? And finally, what is Building 7? Because as I count it, there were only two towers. So where's where God. where where are numbers 3 through 7? Oh, Peyton. Anyway. Anyway. That was today's episode. Look out for that one coming next week for you. And thank you for joining us on Conspiracy Month. I am the I am soldier command general commander against the forces of the deep state uh, revolutionary general commander Peyton Brock with me here is uh, first lieutenant Patriot Austin and this has been conspiracy month episode one three days of the condor until next week uh, watch your back uh and lock your doors and uh set 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 up a dead man switch to publish everything on your computer in case you die so that it all goes public and everything including including that weird phineas and fur rule 34 you've got including all of the pjorn on your computer set it up i have a dead man switch so that if i die immediately uh all the porn on the internet is deleted actually I all set it up. Porn on the internet? Yeah, it's an all or nothing. If I go, it goes. That's my that's my bluff against the the CIA and FBI because it's like, okay, listen, you kill me, 
porn's gone from the internet and you you, you want that you you want the stability that yeah think be. about think about how quickly society would collapse if porn disappeared from the internet you would have in a single day like a hundred plus like white dude shooters yeah oh yeah all over the country on, within within the first day and that's just day one just you think we're you a month after porn is erased from the internet and you know how many guys in joker costumes there'd be yeah a month from porn being erased from the internet society's collapsed so that's my bl- that's my bluff to to that's my security to to prevent myself from getting got that's smart anyway uh anyway. any final thoughts austin um uh i think this was a, a really uh you know good uh, time but but run about it you know I agree completely. Well, everyone, see you next week. And until then, uh, keep searching for the truth. Ooh, that was good. Bye-bye. See you next time. Shut up.